This is Everything Elite, a podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. My name is Aaron Bentley. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. Happy to be here. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, Iron Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Howdy, y'all. Glad to be here. It's been an interesting week for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. AEW is in full effect. Uh, we're going to talk about everything uh, that's been going on over the last week. Uh, if you want to be following us, make sure you're up on what's happening in between episodes and know what's going on with our episodes. You want to follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can also find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis, E-P-I-T-A-S-I-S. And Mike is at Fuji with two eyes. Hey, yeah, F-U-J-I-I-H-E-Y-A. I think I got that right. Nailed it. Woo! All right, so everybody check us out. Uh, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about these independent wrestling appearances that uh, the guys from this promotion have been doing. We got some new info for you on the AEW and OWE relationship. We're going to talk about some new talent uh, acquisitions, some details that Chris Jericho uh, put out on his most recent podcast. And of course, Nate is going to break down the most recent episode of Being the Elite. But I think the best place to start is we saw Cody, the Bucks, Hangman, SCU, I think that's it, show up at two separate promotions this week. Uh, first, they came into bar wrestling, and then they showed up at Defy in Seattle. Yeah, uh, just the uh, just the Bucks were at Defy, I think. Well, uh, maybe SCU was bucked, booked in the first place. Yeah, right. they were. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so both involved Joey Ryan, which I think is a suggestion that he's going to be involved with AEW. Uh, of course, he was involved all in, so that makes sense. But more importantly here is just uh, they kind of seem to be doing a thing here. So, Nate, I want to start with you. I guess, what do you think they're doing? And whatever they're doing, what do you think of that as a strategy for the promotion? Yeah, so it seems to me they're doing a little uh, indie goodwill tour here. Um, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter and in the discourse about politics between the mid-major companies in wrestling and people trying to cast themselves as the good guy in contract negotiations and stuff. And uh, my impression is that, you know, they want to keep their name in the news. They want to maintain their momentum and maintain their buzz. And just from like the comments that the Bucks made at Defy and stuff like that, it seems like they want to offer a olive branch to the indies or they want to... Um, have the appearance of not, you know, strip mining the Indies as the, uh, a lot of companies are being accused of doing. Uh, rather, they want to sort of suggest they're partnering with or at least uh, being cooperative with. Right. And it's one of the things that also the Bucks noted, at least for Defy, and it wouldn't have been an issue for Bar Wrestling, that they did flew out on their own dime and they didn't take any sort of appearance fee. They just did this out of them wanting, I guess, to make these indie appearances and doing what you're saying, Nate, that it's kind of showing that the, I, I guess, the second or third tier independent wrestling landscape is not going to get stripped mined, as people have kind of said. And I think this is a strategy. It's kind of interesting that they picked these two promotions. I mean, Bar Wrestling is run by Joey Ryan, and it's very attached to kind of the high spots company, which is something that obviously has a tight relationship with PWG. And then you have Defy, which 
I believe also is either a high spots. I think high spots has them on their network, if not other streaming services. So it seems like in a lot of ways, they're going to these places that it, it's very pointed. I feel like whether who they're showing up to so far. So it's going to be interesting, at least with the lead up to double or nothing. And then it, also the lead up to February 8th to see how they're going to make these appearances. And it's, I think it's interesting that there was all this talk about how they were being paid to kind of sit out the next few months and they're still making these appearances. So it's smart at least to keep their name out there at the very least. Yeah. And so we know that they're uh, not going to be running a show until May. So do we think, uh, Nate, I'll come back to you. Do we think we're going to be seeing these once a week or, uh, you know, a couple of times a month until May? Yeah, I don't know about weekly. I uh, have not jumped in depth to see where all SCU is booked because they have been following them to this point. Um, but it does make sense that, you know, if these guys are going to be shooting angles and advancing storylines for BTE, then some number of them also have to be together in the same geographic location to shoot these things. So, you know, I, I guess my note would be see where SCU is going to be booked see what other places we know that the elite guys have a relationship with PWG 200 is coming up. That's a big number show. That's a big anniversary sort of event. Wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, the bucks and, and Cody and hangman show their faces there. Even, you know, uh, uh, Daniels and Kaz have long PW and Scorpio has long PWG history. Uh, I, in my neck of the woods, warrior wrestling has SCU booked has Britt Baker also booked. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be keeping my eyes out to see if they're uh, tipping off that they might show up there. And they have been hinting at these things on Twitter. So, you know, if you're paying attention, you'll you'll probably spot it. All right. That makes sense. And Mike, you mentioned February 8th, which is a date that some of our listeners may not be familiar with yet. Uh, there is a report out from uh, Joe Lanza, Voices of Wrestling, on the flagship. Or actually, I think it was behind a paywall on a uh, contract season update that an independent wrestler uh, you know, had to cancel a booking that he had on February 8th and told the booker that it was because of uh, his obligation to All Elite Wrestling. So we have some more news about what that might be. Joe didn't have any information yet on what that might be, but Mike, I think we have some information on what could be coming on February 8th. Right, Aaron, and this actually broke today by Nuclear Convoy. And Nuclear Convoy, for people who aren't familiar with them, they've been one of the big reporters about the Chinese wrestling scene. And they've been really on this beat since everything kind of shook out last year. Uh, they've been a great source for OWE and Hong Kong wrestling. Basically, East Asian wrestling that's not taking place in Japan. Nuclear Convoy has been completely on top of it. And... They released an article today that I will try to drop in the show notes when we post this about how he had an interview with uh, the OWE COO, Michael Nee, on this past Friday. And Michael kind of, Michael Nee kind of revealed that there is this big event that's happening in Las Vegas, February 8th and 9th, and that OWE consisting of Nee, the vice president of OWE and the president of Dragon Gate International, Shima, and the overall owner of OWE, Hua Yang Fufu, are going to be doing joining a press conference and attending meetings in Las Vegas, February 8th and 9th. And this is involving AWE. And it seems like that 
this is going to be more of a formal cementing of the OWE AWE relationship because especially for promotions that do alliances like this in Japan and even more so in China, like you want to have like a big press conference, a big PR kind of event for this. And OWE already had a link to Las Vegas with the future stars of wrestling promotion. And that this, and so they already have had somewhat of a base there, but the way that this has kind of been developing and is really kind of picking up steam over the last week or so was that it looks like the AWE and OWE relationship is going to be something that's going to be a lot larger than anticipated. I remember on Everything Elite Episode 1, I talked about how there's going to be OWE people, but I don't know if it's going to be mostly the Strongheart stable or if it's going to be the students. But it seems like that it's looking like that there's going to be a whole lot of OWE homegrown talent stateside because one of the issues that this promotion has had building up was getting visas. Originally last year, there was there was going to be an event where Shima brought over these kids to Las Vegas to get to, to kind of show them off and have an OWE offer match. But there was issues with the visas because not all the requirements and documentations were met at the time. And the idea is that now OWE has better cooperation with the Chinese government and AEW has, of course, the Khan family behind it, that with them now, there's going to be more of an opportunity for these the, the OWE students to to come over and train it. And they, uh, Michael Nee even outright said the word like talent share. So that makes me seem like, or at least that seems like to me that there's going to be a lot more of an option for these uh, for these OWE students and the ones that we pretty much have either seen in YouTube clips or in just GIFs are going to make an appearance in AWE. And that kind of further cements the relationship, I feel like, with OWE. But this whole entire article and... We'll be getting more into more OWE stuff later on the show, but this whole entire article by Nuclear Convoy was really well done, and they've been ahead of the whole game with this, so it's worth checking them out. They're on Twitter, at Nuclear Convoy. It's funny, because last week I said OEW, and now you're saying AWE, Mike. We got we to gotta get this straight. These <laughs> yeah, two well, are hard. It's tough. Yeah, I have some problems letters. with W's, just in general, and yeah, too many vowels and W's going on. Yeah, yeah, so like like we uh, teased last week, Mike is going to give us a whole primer on OWE at the end of the show. You got a little uh, tease even there of kind of the in-depth knowledge that Mike has of that scene. So we're going to hear more about that at the end of the show. But speaking of kind of, you know, talent shares or, or relationships with companies, we got some uh, new news about the relationship between AEW and New Japan. Uh, I want to go back to one more Lanza report, which was that AEW has signed two current New Japan wrestlers. Uh, that's kind of the extent of it. We don't know much more than that. But the rest of what Lanza had to say, and, and Dave Meltzer said some similar things uh, later, was that it just kind of sounds like the relationship is a little cooler between those two companies than we thought. I kind of seemed coming out uh, of uh, Wrestle Kingdom that AEW had made some uh, made up some ground there, you know, with ROH being the the company that was going to work with New Japan. But it looks more and more like, you know, especially because of uh, the MSG show, that there's nothing that's going to happen between them uh, until probably the summer, maybe not for a full year, though a lot of this depends on what Kenny Omega decides to do. Uh, without that, you know, without Kenny Omega saying, I'm going to AEW, New Japan, if you want me, you have to work with them, then it looks like New Japan is going to stay conservative and stick with 
uh, Ring of Honor just because it's a proven commodity and they've already you know got an infrastructure set up. So I thought we were closer, especially you know we had a Kevin Kelly tweet that you know they were absolutely going to work with AEW, and uh, so I, I thought it was a little warmer than it appears to be at this point. Nate, what do you think about the current state of the relationship between New Japan and AEW? I you know I'm I'm not convinced that it has changed much because i think the big variable is still out there and yet to be decided and that's as you said what kenny omega decides to do he pretty much holds all the cards um because we saw aew sign chris jericho to a deal that was not exclusive with regard to new japan if kenny omega decides he wants to go that route then new japan is already going to have access to the biggest star that aew can offer them um if kenny omega you know, is going to insist on New Japan working with AEW um, as in concert with him agreeing to continue to work New Japan, then we probably think he has the uh, the clout to do that because he's their biggest draw in the West and they've got some big shows that they run in the West, namely that one in Dallas. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, until we really get a bead on what he's thinking and what he's going to do, as far as his contract and exclusivity and, and if he's going to try and throw his weight around, um, we're sort of waiting for that to be determined. Uh, with regard to the two signees, um, I I think the best bet on those is is probably the best friends, if uh, you guys have any thought on that. Uh, we know Chuck Taylor's name has been bandied about with regards to AEW, and both those guys were also cast members on BTE, so we know they have... A relationship and you know a, a built-in connection to the elite guys there um and that you know that seems more likely to me than the idea of AEW poaching some native japanese talent or something like that yeah it just seems like to me that best friends are kind of the logical conclusion to be made from that statement just because of the reasons you said nate and then as well trent has never been under full new japan contract like they've been very that I don't want to say stingy, that they, they've given out the uh, full year contracts very sparingly to people or, or to Westerners into New Japan. Like the only ones that I'm aware of at this time that are active are Elgin, uh, Juice, and, uh, and Chase Owens. So, I mean, like not even David Finley really has a full-time deal there. So there's been no indication that they even had that. And then, of course, there's been the rumor kind of floating about with Chuck Taylor and just like the way that they've kind of booked Chuck Taylor towards for like the last few weeks kind of makes me think that it could be a way to kind of write him off. And then apparently at the, like the most recent ring of honor tapings, he went through a table as well in a way that makes me think that ring of honor prepared to write him off. So I, I guess it really comes down to what happens in these new Japan and America shows that are coming up at the end of this month and into February to really draw a conclusion there. But it just makes a lot more sense to go with them than, than to go with native talent, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you look at the roster and you try to piece together who it might be. <laughs> it's hard to hard to pick out uh, two other guys who, who might be coming over. The The next big thing that we uh, wanted to talk about, honestly, I'm surprised it hasn't gotten a ton of discussion uh, on, I guess, last week's episode of Talk is Jericho. Uh Chris Jericho did a solo episode where he talked about how he ended up with AEW. There's a lot of interesting stuff in it. Um, I, I did listen to it. And 
the stuff that stands out that's specifically related to AEW. There's some other stuff that's that's interesting. He he noted so there's been a lot of talk about his AEW deal being the biggest deal of his career. And you know, a lot of the speculation is well, that means you know, per match or per appearance or whatever. That that's what he's basing on. We still don't know that. The words that he used on the podcast were that it is, quote, an NHL level deal. As a hockey guy, that really doesn't help me. Or as a non-hockey guy, that really doesn't help me that much. Uh, I had a lot of people jumping in my mentions and saying, well, you know, the low end of that is in the low six figures and the high end is like four to five million annually. I don't think he's making uh, four to five million dollars annually. Uh, do either of you guys have any any insight on what an NHL level deal might mean? No idea. <laughs> I actually just looked up average NHL salary while you were talking there, Aaron. And the average NHL salary as of 2011 was 2.4 million. So, okay. well, that, it's like it doesn't mean a lot, right? Because it, it, even if he said, oh, I'm getting NBA money, that doesn't tell me, like, are you getting the league minimum or are you getting, you know, what the stars make, right? So, and I'm yeah. sure the NHL is the same way. So, uh, that doesn't tell us much. Now, the more interesting thing that he said about his contract is that he still intends to work with New Japan, but he does not have a current agreement with them. So, that goes with the reportage that, uh, that he doesn't have an exclusive deal, but it also goes with that we don't really know what the what the relationship is between New Japan and AEW at the moment. Uh, the most interesting thing, uh, or not most interesting thing, but something that I thought uh, really kind of stuck with me was that he said he joined AEW uh, because he has to be great there for that company to succeed. While he knows that in WWE it doesn't really matter what he does, you know the company's going to go on regardless of what happens. I, I think that speaks to something interesting, which is that we're likely to get New Japan Chris Jericho in AEW, uh, where he's going to have to come out and have uh, big matches and work hard and uh, really get it over instead of relying on, you know, hey, I'm just a big star and I can do whatever I want in this promotion. So I think that tells us what we're going to see uh, out of him in AEW. I think that's just kind of cool to hear. Um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what the elite guys have done because part of what attracts me to that whole group is that they have like a cavalier independent spirit kind of like, like, you know, uh, Cody, I was not high on when he was in the WWE. I was not even particularly high on him when he was doing his initial indie matches or when he was showing up in impact and stuff. But I, sort of my uh, interest in him and my investment in him grew because of what he was attempting to do as far as making a go of it outside the WWE. And that's also, you know, with the Bucks, they were making a go of it on the independence. They were, uh, you know, not signing when they had repeated offers from WWE. They elected instead to keep uh, signing with Ring of Honor year after year. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, wrestling is more interesting when you have like, mavericks or cavaliers or whatever descriptor you want to use for guys who want to get out there and make a go of it themselves instead of uh you know sitting on a comfortable contract and showing up to weekly tv week after week and just reading whatever's given to you on a script the other newsy stuff that we got out of jericho's podcast was uh he kind of implied that brandy rhodes would wrestle for AEW, not just be in an office role and brandy confirmed that in an interview with diva dirt 
So she is going to be wrestling. Um, he also referenced inquiries that AEW's had from uh, companies in Australia, Germany, and the UK, and talked about uh, the company's desires to hold events in London, Japan, and New Zealand, of all places. So uh, I think that's, I mean, you know, it's kind of pablum in a way, uh, especially like, oh, we'd like to go to these and these and these places. But when you factor in the OWE stuff, it makes me see a company and, and guys in this company who are committed to uh, working with other companies, finding the right talent and like really making a go of this and not just uh, like we kind of talked about last week, not just booking their buddies and hoping that'll work out. Right. And talk about OWE. OWE already has a relationship with a company in Australia. So it, seeing that this is going to be more of a formal agreement going along with them, it makes sense that they would have that set up there. And then talking about going to shows in Japan, this was also in Nuclear's Convoy's article. OWE is holding shows in Japan this year. So not independent of Dragon Gate, independent of DDT and Russell One. They're holding their own shows this spring in both Osaka and, and in Tokyo. So it, this kind of goes a little bit back towards the New Japan thing. Like obviously their preference is to go with New Japan for some sort of Japanese partner, but there's options now with having OWE alongside them. So it's interesting. I mean, those seem to be the places to go to. I mean, Germany is the one that I kind of find interesting seeing how WXW has already kind of fallen into the same like progress sphere. Then also with some of WWE kind of interest or, or starting to put their fingers into it. So it'll be interesting to see what all kind of builds up from here, just because like, when you have fake statements like that, we're naturally just going to guess and, guess and kind of say, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But with OWE, at least, it seems like they've already started to make inroads in some of those uh, areas. Well, that's interesting. I, I didn't, I hadn't read yet about OWE running shows there. So that that's pretty fascinating. The, the biggest thing that, you know, leaked into the discourse was that Jericho said for the first time, I believe, uh, that Tony Khan flew him to the Fozzie show after All In. So kind of takes us back and, and we see a, a Tony Khan involvement already when they were running All In, which led to, a, I don't know, a lot of stupid discussion about, you know, who paid for what uh, related to All In, as if that has much to do with what happened. But it is interesting. And uh, that's some news that's out there now. Okay, potential talent news. Uh, quickly want to go through this. According to WWE Wrestling News World, AEW signed Jungle Boy Nate Coy to a two-year deal. Uh, Dave Meltzer reported that the deal is close, but it's not quite done yet. Uh, Larry Ra Larry White, I'm sorry, of Raja's Twitter account said that Shauna is that. Am I saying that right? No idea. Okay, great. Uh, a wrestler uh, who's uh, billed from out of Portugal. Uh, has been signed on the women's side. So, um, you know, there you go. Potential talent. Of course, there's been a lot of talk this week about the revival trying to leave WWE. There's been long buildup of a feud between the uh, revival and the Young Bucks. Revival reportedly asked for their release and or their releases, I suppose. Uh, and that uh, reportedly was not granted. Uh, so, but I, I guess uh, Mike told me before the show that they, they, were jobbed out on the most recent uh, TV deal. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with them. 
And then we have Mike Canellis and uh, – no, Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis. <laughs> I did the bit, but I did it for real. Um, I've also reportedly asked for their releases. They kind of have denied that, that they did, but you know, there's several reports out, independent reports, that they have done so. I don't know if they w- I don't know what their connection is to the Bucks or uh, or Cody, so I don't know if they would be AEW uh, material, or, you know, or that's people they would be looking to work with. Uh, but you know, if anybody steps out of the WWE realm, uh, you got to be expecting that AEW could be uh, involved. And the last one, a potential talent is there's a report that the Bucks are going to be attending uh, the upcoming Bellator show with Jack Swagger on it. Uh, Dave Meltzer reported that. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll see uh, Jack Swagger. That show is in Los Angeles on the 25th. So that that's coming up soon. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, you know, maybe the Bucks will jump in the cage and uh, super kick somebody. Uh, anything, guys? That was, I was kidding. Anything, guys, on any of those uh, rumors or, or, you know, potential talent that might be coming to AEW? Uh, only point I might make is uh, I'm not familiar with Shanna, Shana at all, um, but I had noted that people were talking about, oh, that she might have, you know, one of those entry bands uh, that are semi-common when you have uh, wrestlers coming to work in the United States without the correct paperwork or whatever. Um, would be interested to see if that's something that AEW is – trying to work around or trying to resolve. Like Mike said, there's a lot of visa stuff to be worked out with the OWE guys. Um, so that's, you know, there's a, there's a couple marquee names that AEW could go grab if they have the capability and the time and know how to get that stuff fixed. I mean, speedball Mike Bailey is the obvious. I was going to say, give us Mike Bailey at AEW. Yeah. Get, uh, get Josh Alexander back over here. Super smash brothers. All those guys have, uh, you know, been in those sort of conversations for a while now. So it would be cool if uh, that's something that AEW is looking to take on. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, the whole Jungle Boy kind of signing, because he's someone that, to my knowledge, that really has only kind of exist. I, I hate to say that word. Of course, he's existed a lot longer, but he's existed on the wrestling landscape since GCW shows in LA. So that's less than four months ago if that like he's he's someone that's been in the la scene for a while but he's really been someone that's not been a part of it and that with the money that's been talked about with this like seeing like someone like him getting a big deal like that like that really is one of those situations that potentially could hurt the second third tier indie scene in a lot of ways yeah i've got to uh i gotta dispute part of that because i am a longtime jungle boy fan okay uh, okay followers of my twitter will note I did. Uh, he, he's a Flow Slam veteran. Oh, I did uh, not know that. He did. He appeared on like an APW show on Flow Slam a while back. Uh, I think probably me and Oatgan were the only two people that watched it. Okay, but he, yeah, he, he popped up on like <laughs> a handful of random Lucha shows that ended up on Flow Slam. And uh, we watched them because we were Flow Slam loyalists. Um, and yeah, he like he was very small, like he was smaller then than he is now, as you might expect uh but just like a funny old school gimmick <laughs> great, is, great insight Nate. yeah what uh what sort of brought my first semi-ironic appreciation and then he kicked ass in that gcw show so i'm all in now all right jungle boy nate coy i've never i'm not a flow slam lawyer so I'm, i've never even seen him wrestle well, so. i'm hater i would say is that yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I was a subscriber, but I only watched the Evolve shows. See, that was your that was your big mistake. Is you're missing out on the APW content. Yeah. I didn't even see everything burns until we did the uh, <laughs> wrestling omakase episode about it. So. The best show that's ever been on Flow Slam. I know. Man, I know. Come on, I watched uh, that. Something that's also worth noting that has to be said each time when someone brings up Jungle Boy, he is Luke Perry's son. Yeah, hell yeah. So that 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 actually is something for all elite that probably could matter though is if luke mm. perry's son like that's just like an added kind of thing when you're building up a company saying oh hey look at this guy his dad is luke perry so yeah well it's the same way that i mean not quite the same but uh you know the way that david arquette kind of his appearance in gcw leaked into the mainstream you know mm. so yeah it can get you some new coverage and uh, new eyes on your product that you might not otherwise get oh totally Okay, it's that time, folks. Uh, Epitasis Nate is going to break down for us the most recent episode of Being the Elite. Uh, what do we need to know about what went down this week, Nate? Well, first we need to know that I need a stinger here. I need some theme music just yeah, I so know. I get my full fanfare. I'm going to note that. I, I'm talking um, to Papa Buck about this, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be all kinds of sound suites. Billy are getting rolling. I mean, stingers everywhere. Maybe Papa Buck fames. Who knows? But it's in negotiations. Great. I'm willing to shout out the big bucks. So whatever we can make happen, I'm down for. Uh, all right. So BTE opens with the Bucks and Cody with Hangman outside. Probably TGI Fridays. Uh, definitely in California. The roasting Adam Page because he showed up in his full gear: the boots, the tights, the vest, everything. Um, this is advancing the storyline about Pac being more shredded than Hangman because they said, oh, you're from, you know, Pac can do this because he's super shredded, but you know, Hangman looks a little silly in it. This is despite Hangman, uh, as you may have seen, winning the WrestleSplania Hunk of the Year Award. He wrote a very charming uh, acceptance letter, which went uh, viral as much as anything goes viral uh, in wrestling here. Um, but yeah, so advancing there, and then we got the uh, the visual of Hangman putting his jeans on over his gear. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's like a silly thing to build a feud about, like especially if that's like their world title feud, which is what they sort of teased at the presser. But that also fits totally with what their brand and what their fans like. Uh, and as long as like it develops and pays off, then I'm for it because that's what the WWE can do is they can't have a beginning, middle, and end and satisfying payoff to a story. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to jump in here for a sec. I think that if they're doing this, they need to get Pac in and record some of his mid-breath exercises and the dog at the mid-breath gym with him. <laughs> if we're going to do this, like, let's go all the way about who's the hunkiest hunk. Like, that, I, I would love some uh, some BT segments live from mid-breath. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I think Kenny might have done one at some point on BT. But, uh, yeah, get the whole promotional photo shoot there at mid-breath. Uh, so next we have Cody with pretty Peter Avalon, who is a SoCal guy. I gather I've certainly heard the name. Not sure that I've seen him work before. Uh, and he's negotiating with him and offers him a million dollars to join AEW. Uh, pretty Peter Avalon is obviously excited by this. Uh, goes off. Bucks show up. There's sort of a power struggle there between the Bucks and Cody, where they say, hey, I'm the executive vice president of talent. And they, the next Buck says, oh, no, I'm the executive vice president of talent, et cetera. Um, so they're kind of doing a curious thing here where they're talking about how, oh, oh, we don't know how to run a company this big. Like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Cody says he doesn't know the value of a million dollars because he didn't go to college. Um, so then pretty Peter Avalon comes back in the nice AEW hoodie, and he's sort of like posing and voguing to the camera. 
Uh, and then Cody has to tell him that he's fired. Um, so Peter says, Cody, you are in over your head. You don't even have TV, do you? Uh, and then Matt's like, this job's going to be a lot harder than I thought. Cody <laughs> says, no shit. Cody gets all the best line reads. It's like, no shit. I, I have to admit that I kind of think the AEW hoodie is fly. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm not like real high on the logo, but yeah. the the color scheme and the design of the hoodie or maybe Windbreaker, whatever it is. Who knows? Pretty it, nice. I can't tell. It, it's not, you know, like garish and embarrassing like a WWE hoodie would be. Like, yeah, it's no, it's clean. Good. It's simple. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I'm not going to buy one, but I like it. Uh, I'll stop I'll, for free, though. Right. Yeah, I'll sure. Say, I'll yeah, I would take a free one. one. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to uh, Kenny Omega shooting his own little promo on his cell phone. Um, just really like underscoring that, oh, yeah, Kenny Omega is like in this company because, I mean, he's not yet, obviously, but he's still contributing to this going forward, whereas there was no Marty Skrull on the show. Um, but, yeah, Kenny's just talking about the wrestling award dinner, which you might have seen on Twitter, where they hand out the big uh, Japanese wrestling awards. He says that he sat at a table with Marafuji, Kobashi, and Tenryu. Tenryu, Tenryu which uh, he was pretty excited about. And then he puts over Okada and, and thanks him for Tenryu, having Tenryu, their... <laughs> All those are correct. <laughs> over Okada thanks him because they had the match of the year together. And he said that they're the first pair to repeat as the best bout winners since Misawa and Kobashi. Um, then he goes on to talk about how he's not bitter and it's a happy occasion. And, uh, you know, he's happy and it's a nice thing and there's nothing to be bitter about. But the uh, subtext here is that he is better about something. Uh, I, it's pretty clear that he's talking about not winning MVP because he thinks he should have been MVP of the year for Japanese wrestling. Um, so I, he says something like, when the panel is offered some reason to sway one way or the other, then often or usually they will take it. Uh, now Meltzer on his show today seemed to think that this was a shoot and Kenny was just really sad and upset about not winning the big award and he was trying to play it off like it wasn't a big deal but this whole segment was about him poorly playing it off about being a big deal I'm inclined to think that this is a work and he's advancing the storyline of Tanahashi being like a politicker and you know this old school Japanese tradition uh, sort of handing it to Tanahashi when Kenny thinks he's more deserving uh, we've seen clearly that Kenny wants the rematch with Tanahashi. They're one and one in their matches together. So I, uh, you know, I take what Kenny Omega does to be pretty much a work uh, unless it's like a really bad like on Twitter or something. So that's sort of what I read it to be, but Meltzer thought the opposite. So then we cut to Cody and Kaz. They're talking about uh, potential locations for future shows. There's a good joke in there where Cody suggests Ybor City, a uh, site of many great Flow Slam shows in the past. And Kaz is not ha having it. Uh, Kaz's gimmick, of course, is that every town is the worst town except Southern California. But uh, Ybor City is especially a shitty town to Kaz. Uh, then we get the bit with MJF again, where Cody introduces MJF to Kaz. Uh, Cody says that MJF is so nice, he's even nicer than Jerry Lynn. Cody walks off. MJF, of course, reveals himself to be the huge asshole that he is. Uh, and then Cody returns. MJF ducks back in the frame to give one more bit to Kaz and he says, fuck Jerry Lynn. And Kaz is like, that guy's a huge asshole. I love it. Cause Kaz <laughs> is an asshole or a heel or something. I'm really looking forward to uh, us uh, arguing about MJF on this show. Oh, I love MJF. 
I know this is one of my favorite like new segments that they've had in being elite in a long time. Like just like everyone's just both like really offended. And then as soon as they, as soon as MJF and Cody walk away, they're just resigned to like, yeah, no, I totally get this guy. Kaz loves them. And Paige thinks that he's exactly like Cody. Like, I just like this, but like this is, I think MJF is kind of a natural character for this kind of show. Well, I like this stuff. It's interesting to me, but I've never been interested in a in a match or promo of MJF's. Uh, so I look forward to arguing with both of you about that <laughs> as we go forward. Yeah, just to give my perspective, I guess. Um, he had a tremendous match with Colt Cabana at AEW. Uh, that did, no, just Aaron saw, right? You saw that. Was Were I there? That? Weren't you? Pretty uh, memorable match. I don't remember it, so I, it was I probably wasn't there. What, was that the oh, you guys only to, you guys only into, attended the second show? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was the first show. Yeah, we missed that. Yeah, okay. Well, I saw MJF. Hmm, what did he do? I don't remember actually, but it was boring. I know that. <laughs> I, you know, very old school. I appreciate that he keeps kayfabe all the time because that's sure. fun. But anyway, okay, we get the Zandig back breaking Joey Janela back with his vignettes. Uh, they again introduced, or he again introduced himself as the Zandig backbreaking Joey Janela. So that's uh, going to be ongoing, I hope. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a Zandig appearance sometimes. That'd be great. They love cameos. Let him do his Botchamania gimmick, whatever. That'd be fine. Uh, so, yeah, the, the bit here is that Joey is bad at whatever he's trying to do instead of wrestling. So here he's doing some Jarek magic tricks. Well, no, he's doing like very basic beginner magic he's not nearly on jarek's level uh but he accidentally like burns his eye with a little flame thing uh so that was the joey janela segment for this week um and then we get the bar wrestling footage we get like the full angle you guys may have seen the angle if not uh this is probably the best version of the angle if you're going to watch any versions of it because it has a uh, it's longer than the other ones that I, were just posted you know by people on youtube or whatever um, there was a funny thing where they have the whole montage of Joey Ryan and Hangman's relationship where Hangman thought Joey was faking his dick power or whatever. Uh, Joey dick flips Hangman. He pours urine all over him. Hangman beats him to death with a telephone. And they have like very heartwarming piano music scoring all this. Good jokes. Um, yeah, they one note, thing to note here is they show Joey Ryan and his penis druids at All In. They did not have video footage from that. I think that uh, is probably your main indicator there that they don't own the all-in video footage. Uh, the story going around was that Ring of Honor owns the all-in footage. Uh, I mean, that makes sense to me because it was on Ring of Honor's streaming service and everything. Um, but yeah, there you go. I mean, uh, who, what else is it on? Pay-per-view, New Japan World, Fight. Um, would be interested to know who owns the all-in pre-show footage because that was not on Ring of Honor. That was on WGN in America. Uh, one other thing to note here, Cody does his dive on this angle. He kind of dives like David Arquette. I don't know if you guys saw in the Nick Gage match where David Arquette kind of like <laughs> has his uh, arms pulled in like he's bracing himself on his fall for the dive. Cody yeah, is mean, like 60% like that. Yeah, you mean the match of the year, David Arquette versus Nick Gage? Yeah, I had it as my third favorite match of the year, but it's yeah, that's what I refer I mean, It's going to be in my top 10, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. It if you've listened to wrestle Amakase, you've heard me extol the idea of spectacle and that it's my number three match of the year and it Great rules. Match. Yeah. It owns. Yeah. Almost a perfect match. 
Um, but perhaps a more memorable one due to its imperfection. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, the part of this I had not seen was that they did an angle with the referee, Rick Knox, a longtime PWG referee. Uh, they kept uh, a storyline continuing from their years and years in PWG, and this ended with uh, him joining the Bucks to give some guy from bar wrestling Watts a triple super kick. They also show that Christopher Daniels chipped his tooth in this match here. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, these guys are apparently making big money now in AEW. They're doing this independent Goodwill tour or, you know, their uh, uh, PR tour or whatever you want to call it. And they're still out here, like, working matches and taking bumps. Well, at least the SCU guys. So there you go. It's uh, not fake. Christopher Daniels, like, chipped his tooth off. All right. The end. That's BTE this week. Do, do you all know where uh, Watts is from? No, I, know, I didn't bother to look up any of the bar wrestling guys. The only <laughs> bar wrestling guy I was aware of was hot young Briley, and I guess he retired. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I I could actually background to him and to pretty Peter Avalon. So, so pretty Peter, Peter Avalon was a big PWG guy back before they did the whole on shift towards just super indie acts when they'd still bring in guys from SoCal. And actually, if you, I, you probably weren't too aware of it, but the guys that they were having the match against SCU were having the match against was uh, the uh, Rockness Mar monsters. Okay. And their current gimmick, like that was Yuma and Johnny Goodtime. I don't know what his current, what he, he's gone to by shoot name. I think it's like Kevin Martinson or something. But so, so there's a lot of like the SoCal guys there. But Watts was, I think it's Eric Watts or no, no, no that's the son. Of... <laughs> that's like the Booker's son, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that was the Booker's son. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm terrible about his first name. I'm forgetting his first name. No, I, I honestly did the same thing. I wrote Eric Watts in the doc here and then deleted it. <laughs> but uh, he was on one of the seasons of Tough Enough. Okay. Like one of the original seasons of Tough Enough, and he's kind of just floated around the L.A. wrestling scene. Like, my brother goes to random L.A. shows, and he saw him there. He's like, oh, yeah, no, that was the guy from Tough Enough. I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, did you all notice during this that uh, during the Cody segment that they talked about both him and both Cody, not Cody, sorry, Kenny and Marty still trying to be a part of the show? Like, there was, like, a little, like, offhand remark about that during I that. did. Was that... Did Kenny say that? I Kenny do remember that coming I, I to got, that. Yeah. I got name blind. The whole Eric Watts thing is throwing me off for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, Kenny said something about continuing to be part of the show. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I would think that Ring of Honor wouldn't particularly want Marty building up uh, angles and shit for their competition. So right. uh, just a total aside here, I always thought it was funny on BT when they would do like Marty segments at home or whatever. Because, like, you definitely had a WWE talent shooting all those, I have to assume, <laughs> with yeah. Deanna. But anyway. Deanna rules. Uh, I wouldn't want anybody to get mad for me if I said anything bad about Deanna. So I'm here to support her. <laughs> okay. So that's breaking down BTE. We will be doing that, of course, every week on this show. Uh, so you don't even have to watch. You can just... Turn, tune in, hear what Nate has to tell you about I it. do. I, I step on and kill like all the, not like, you know, again, it's not like super <laughs> funny, highly advanced comedy or anything, but it is sure. probably a little funnier if you actually watch it instead of me explaining a joke to you. Hmm. Ah, you know, your mileage may vary. <laughs> uh, okay. Now we have gotten to uh, the promised segment of the show for this week. You know, basically when there aren't, now there was quite a bit of news this week, but you know, since they're not going to be actually wrestling for a while, we're going to need to throw in some other stuff um, to make sure that everybody is kind of up to date on 
what's going to be going on in this promotion. And we just happen to have uh, Mike Spears, who knows a shitload about uh, everything related to the Dragon system. And OWE, uh, you know, kind of comes out of that. So Mike is going to give us a little primer on what we can expect from OWE. Uh, yeah, thanks, Aaron. So the, the, this actually turned out to be super timely with the big news story that kind of broke today. But during the press conference, there was a big thing by the Bucks that Shima and OWE would be partners with, with, with All Elite Wrestling. And it, unless you're someone like me who's just constantly on various parts of Twitter, you probably weren't super aware of OWE other than seeing these crazy gifts that kind of go into your that of just these Chinese kids doing some crazy things. So what I've done over the last week is kind of take some of the stuff that I've done for my Dragon Gate and Dragon System related stuff and have provided kind of both a primer, a timeline, and some folks to know. And before we really get going, I want to make sure to give another plug to Nuclear Convoy at Nuclear Convoy, who has a earlier. He's been on this beat pretty much since day one, and he's been incredibly helpful for it. He has a bunch of articles up on different websites and websites of his own. And he run and he also is someone that like he finds like these kids and there's like clips that go up there that he retweets. So it's worth checking. So what is OWE? OWE is composed of Dragon Gate International. And this is people that are both behind. And Nate, you might need to correct me in here for this. The Shanghai office of AKB48 Idol Group. Is that SHN or am I off on that? Uh, that sounds, I don't recall specifically, but yeah, the gimmick basically with those 48 Idol Groups is the first three letters are like their uh, their geographic location a lot of the time. So it's like the Nagata branch of it is like in GT48. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, Nate, Nate Expose is a fake Idol fan. I didn't mean to do that. Man, I, I love you. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, I, I know fake idols better than real idols. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to this week's uh, Bang Dream Corner. So, <laughs> welcome in here for that. Big event right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we so, talk about uh, Bang Dream. Oh, oh, no, please. Like, whenever, if y'all have any questions or anything, please interject. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, like, save, I, we'll save Bang Dream for when we have a, a dry week with no big Very dry right week. <laughs> Recap the second, there was, second season of Bang Dream. There was, there was a fight outside of Bang Dream concert that uh, Kidani, the, who you may know from New Japan, had to comment about on Twitter. So, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's all idols and wrestling are the same. And there are Kenny Omega, uh, you know, commercials for Bang Dream. So there's some there's some ties. Yeah, there's some ties to it. So one of the business in OWE is either the CEO or the manager of the Shanghai version of AKB. Yep. Big people behind it are the PR representatives of the Shaolin Kung Fu exhibition. So from my understanding, and I'll fully admit that this has been try to look up and it might be wrong with this is that the Shaolin temples do these Kung Fu exhibitions where they go around and they, they'll perform Kung Fu. And these are, and this people, this person behind it is one of the PR representatives. And then again, as I said earlier, one of the big, the CEO of is Hua Yang Fu. So there's about 60 students in various stages of training in wrestling in OWE. And a lot of these kids, at least the first class, were actually pulled from the Shing, the, I'm sorry, the Shaolin Kung Fu exhibitions. So a lot of them, because of that, they have the natural performance from doing karate and Kung Fu 
arts, they're able to kind of bring this in there and they're doing this. There was a tweet that went out a couple of weeks ago where someone said there was 200 people in the OWE contract. And no, I've heard from people connected to the office it is 60 people. It is about 60 students. That Twitter account is completely false and just making up stuff for the tweets. So a timeline about OWE, Shima, the Young Bucks, kind of starts at 2008 when Shima met the Young Bucks. This was during the time where where Dragon Gate was doing a lot of shows in the United States, their ring of agreement, and Shima and the guys would often stop by people back. So he sees them do more bang for the buck, and he thinks it's the craziest thing ever. Uncoin thing for Shima. Shima loves big moves. So he, from this, he took them and he gave them their first ever international tours. Like this is five years before even the start of them doing New Japan stuff. They were in Dragon Gate in 08 and 09. Quick, uh, quick question. How does Shima feel about acting like a badass? I think that he is a big proponent of both acting like a badass and also doing cool moves. So I think okay. he really is those two big tenets of pro wrestling he's got down pat. Good to hear. Yeah. So the, this was the relationship between the groups pretty much up until 2017 when there was the first like original formation of OWE because there was an agreement between Dragon Gate and what soon would become OWE, where the Dragon Gate wrestlers would be paid an amount of money to come over and train the Chinese. And they kind of did that just off and on from the remainder of 2017 until February of 2018, where they had the first ever OWE show. This was in the beginning of February. So I remember this really related to the internet in early 2018, where like these matches where you would have Shingo Takagi versus a bunch of Chinese kids, Masaki Mochizuki and Shima. And this was kind of a big note. It got a whole lot of the Chinese internet. And it's worth stating that the Chinese internet, you can't really how many views are on the Chinese internet. It, it, it's notoriously botted. So it, it was still considered like a massive success by any sense of the imagination. I, did, I watched this show, right? Do you remember if this is the show mm -hmm. I watched? Okay, yes. this is a great show. If you guys haven't seen this show, like obviously a bunch of green guys, a handful of whom could do some really impressive spots. Then you have like the rascals uh, on there and then you have like the dragon gate uh, top talent, but there's like an, uh, a show long storyline about the Chinese students yeah. uh, basically getting beat a lot. And then some idols come out and sing to them and inspire them. Uh, and then their coach like gives them like some Anoki chops and fires them up. Uh, and like, everybody's like, Oh, the, you know, Chinese pro wrestling is young, but it's uh, full of heart and full of potential, and they can only go upwards from here. Just a great storyline. The guys are like crying in the ring. Just a, it's a very bright and overdone production, kind of. I mean, not like WWE bad, but it's like obviously super produced. But you know, you got the core tenets of like wrestling storytelling there. Yeah, and that's actually a big storyline of OWE so far is that the guy that broke down crying Nate, yeah. he, he is who's considered who might be the ace of OWE. Oh, you, keep can talking, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a guy who crushes apples with his biceps. That's like he's, the number one ace indicator right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's every single match he's been in so far. So they're really building up like he's like – getting beat down, beat down, and he's going to finally one day like take out all these outsiders and defend Chinese wrestling, which is a thing like, that they've mentioned is that this is 
this is wrestling to a brand new audience. So they're trying to like compare this to like Chinese folk folklore. Like there is someone who's supposed to be the monkey king as a character. So there's a lot of that going on with this as well. But then going ahead and it's in this whole timeline of OWE, Shima disappears from Dragon Gate. And at this time, it was not known where he was. He did like two matches over the next month and a half and everyone what was going on there. And this kind of lines up to the fact that and there was a huge there was a there was the official Dragon Gate split where Shima became president of Dragon Gate International and there would be a new Dragon Gate company that was focused in Japan. But from that moment um, moved to China and he's been based out of Shanghai ever since with some people that we're gonna talk about in a second. But also, this was a big moment because this was the first time that OWE wrestlers were brought into Japan and brought outside of China. The two wrestlers at that time were Gao Xingxia and Scorpio X. So from there, like everyone kind of was going, what's going on here? What's going to happen? Are these, these wrestlers from OWE just going to kind of do their own thing of Shima and people that came along with him in Dragon Gate because... When he left Dragon Gate, he brought three of the most kind of the three of the biggest younger stars in Dragon Gate with him. And it became a bigger deal in June because in June, these four wrestlers, it was Shima, T-Hawk, El Lindaman, and Takahiro Yamamura formed the stable that is now known as Strong Hearts and Russell One. And this stable for, I know that you all watch like Tokyo Joshi Pro, but you don't watch as much of the other DDT stuff. But Stronghearts pretty much swept every single unit award, every single team award possible in Japan. Like Stronghearts has kind of become a sensation amongst the indie wrestling crowd. Yeah, they should show up in uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. It'd be sweet. I, I don't think there's any uh, female wrestlers training right now, and that's uh, well, you can oh, make, a f- Tokyo Joshi Pro at Jun Kasai. You can do Stronghearts versus the uh, magical popping sugar rabbits trio. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities there. But no, they should be. They should go against the Up Up Girls. Oh, okay. I like that. Do do four versus four. Yeah, heck yeah. I, I would watch that. I could main event to Corkin. Oh, absolutely, it could. Listen up, so, DDT office. <laughs> <laughs> DDT office. We're gonna form more relationships here. We're gonna make all elite OWE all this world. Like they're we're gonna change the universe. No yeah. interest in damnation or whatever the fuck the DDT stables are. We want Up Up Girls versus Strong Hearts. Yes. And I'm kind of, uh, L. Lindemann's five foot three. He might be shorter than some of the above girls. So there's an interesting story to be told. But back to the timeline, I'm almost on the timeline. We'll get talking about wrestlers. The next big thing was that Stronghearts went over to the crash, which that's something that's also a big news story, at least in OWE, because OWE and the crash just signed a talent relationship. So when we were talking about earlier about places where all eat can end up with, now the crash is suddenly a possibility and the Bucks perform there as well. So they went to the crash, they went to Bola and DDT. And then the next month, they first won the DDT six-man titles, which is kind of interesting because it's the first time that a Chinese wrestler has won a title on the Japanese mainland when, when Duan Yingyan won the, the DDT six-man title. And then at the same time, they started doing weekly shows in Shanghai that are now on YouTube. There's an OWE YouTube channel and they put up their hourly shows that they record in Shanghai each well, each week. And it's like a Sunday show. And they also, their Instagram, they have like, they have dojo matches. 
So pretty much that. So they won the titles there. They lost the DT six man titles in this January, which right after that, T Hawk won the Russell one championship because they've been in Russell one the entire time. They do Invader angles, and then they announced that they announced the alliance of AWE. I'm sorry, AEW. Eventually, I'll get that right. <laughs> this is there's too many three letter abbreviations here, and then and the alliance with the crash. Wait, so T Hawk is the or was the top champion in Wrestle One? He just he just beat Shitaro Ashino this huh. month. That that show actually just made air. Yeah, I just okay. downloaded. He, yeah, the match was uh, one five, I think. Mm-hmm. One five, yeah. And so that's actually big for T Hawk. But let's get into talking about the the wrestlers that you are going to see in all elite wrestling. First, we should talk about the Strong Hearts guys. We've talked a lot about Shima so far. He's the president of Dragon Gate International. He's the leader of Strong Hearts, and he's probably the greatest modern scout of modern wrestling. He was the first guy to give the Bucks a shot. He found Ricochet. He found Pac. He brought Gargano over to Japan. He found Flamita Bandito. And this is kind of a but the first person to give El Generico and Kevin Steen shots in Japan outside of their outside of like their native wrestling. So he's a really he has a really good eye on wrestling. So that gives me a little bit of encouragement as a wrestling fan, knowing that he's going to be someone somewhat involved with All Elite. And then there are the three Dragon Gate International guys. We talked a little bit about T-Hawk. He's someone that I've written obsessively, weirdly enough, about how his kind of run in Dragon Gate ended. He was going to be the ace, but the crowd never liked him to the level of his push. He joined Shima in Shanghai. And then since then, he's won both the DET six-man titles and then, as we were just talking about, the Russell 1 championship. My favorite guy in the, the Strongheart stable is next. It's El Lindemann. He's only 5'3". He's, when I say he's 5'3", he's probably really like 5'2 or 5'1". <laughs> but he's this incredible judo guy. Like, Nate, have you seen much of El Lindemann? Or, Aaron, have you seen much of him? He has. Did he have the uh, Sakura Blossom tights? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah. No, I enjoyed what I've seen of him. Um, I he had a nice, fun little tweet the other day that uh, the Everything Elites, Everything Elite, Twitter account retweeted. Uh, but yeah, I was totally into his look and uh, the sort of offense that he was doing. Yeah, I'm not really into uh, much Dragon Gate, and I love this guy. Like, I watched one thing with him, and I was like, yeah, this guy is uh, the best. He should win every title. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's like three. He's he and. He, he is a judoka who's turning 24 next month. He's really young. And he's equally as good as like this cutie pie, that's Cora Blossom tights, as an absolute prick. Like he's been running as a heel lately. And for a guy who's that, sm- that small, he actually comes off like a heel. And then the last guy from Dragon Gate that now is in OWE is Takahiro Yamamura. And he's an interesting guy who is kind of considered as Shima's son. He is even younger than El Lindemann, but he had a really bad cervical injury where he had a displaced cer- a displaced vertebra and it had a concussion along with it. They thought he was going to retire, but he actually finally made his big return. And he's someone that he's about 5'8", but he has a limited potential. He could pretty much do it all in the ring. And he, he is someone that like, he's just now came back into it. So I wouldn't be surprised that someone of his age might be spending a lot of time with all elite and he's really an incredible worker. He kind of became a breakout star overnight in Dragon Gate. So the next people who are part of strong hearts are someone that I think 
all three of you or, or both of you have seen extensively, and that is the Rascals. Yeah, I have. I I don't know if uh, Bentley has, but yeah, yeah, these guys came up uh, really in the Midwest with the whole Sammy verse, the Callahan crew, um, and it was very funny. I used to see them down on LaSalle um, working AEW spots, and they actually used clips of like the Lions Club in LaSalle on that owe show with like the giant production it would like cut to a clip of uh desmond xavier doing a moonsault in LaSalle, illinois it's kind of a weird little culture clash yeah i saw these guys at an aw show in um where else did they run uh, uh that would have been up near chicagoland marionette park yeah probably 115 bourbon street yeah no it wasn't there it was somewhere else but anyway i saw them and I was really uh, impressed with them because they did like a six man kind of like this. But then they came to Evolve and worked a lot of single stuff. And I was not impressed. Uh, so if they're going to stay in more six man stuff, I'll, I mean, I'm into like kind of seeing how they do. Uh, but I was not excited about them as as singles wrestlers, really. I think uh, so. Desmond has been working at AW the longest. They were bringing him in when he was, you know, a, a younger guy in CCW. Uh, and then they brought in Zachary to tag with him. Trey Miguel is kind of the latest edition of the three, but is now getting all the featured singles matches in AEW. Um, so they, and he, uh, of the three, I mean, I think Wentz kind of has the most charisma, but Trey Miguel reminds me the most of Ricochet, and he even does the crown gimmick in the Meteora. So I think he's uh, trading on that a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting because Wentz, and Xavier went over to Dragon Gate very early last year. They did one tour in 2018, and they also did the OWE show in February. And then they kind of just disappeared. And it wasn't until later that I was like, okay, that they're still affiliated with Shima. Like they would tweet using the Strong Hearts hashtag, and Wins has a Strong Hearts tattoo. But they kind of just disappeared. They've won the PWG tag team titles. And when they did the invasion to Russell One, they brought over Xavier and they brought over Wentz. I believe they brought over Trey McGill later to do this, but like all, all three of them have been in Japan with OWE and Strong Hearts. Yeah, Miguel just joined for that most recent tour where they did those DDT spots, I think. Yeah. Wasn't there a story going around? I'd, I'd never actually clicked the link, but wasn't there a story going on around about like Pac having a funny reaction to um, whichever of the Jacksons calling it Good Hearts? I think it was Matt Jackson. <laughs> Yes, uh, that was somebody related that on a podcast. Uh, it doesn't come to mind, but yes, uh, oh, Pac was backstage with somebody uh, when Matt Jackson said "Good Hearts," and he said in like his Newcastle accent, "That's not fucking right." Or something. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm butchering it, but that was the story. Uh, everything yeah, about that, that was good. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah, Pac's also been someone who is affiliated with Shima. I mean, Pac came over to Dragon Gate in 09 with Mark Haskins, of all people. So that's kind of a, that's the side. But I think that was on uh, Russell Nomics, Nate. I think Mookie yeah, said that. Yeah, that's right. That was on the, you nailed it, yep. Yeah. So wrapping this up, and I know I've kind of talked a lot about this, I wanted about five guys that, of the Chinese students, these are the five that at least have kind of caught my eye the most. And I think that now that there's this, really formalized relationship between the two companies that were these five kids and all elite. 
The first one we kind of talked about earlier, and his name is Achilles Ben or Aben. And he's kind of there. He has a really impressive body, which is right in the thing of wanting to have a guy who's super jacked and a lot of charisma. He was the guy who like smashed the apple and cried a lot. So I'm calling him a Ben, and he's my favorite wrestler in the he's world. A-Ben. He, he's A-Ben. <laughs> he's A-B. He's A-B. He's your guy. Yeah, I, I'm, exactly. I'm just going to start tagging uh, Bentley now in tweets your A-B. Like, hey, it's your guy. It's your best friend right now. Yeah, and this is also my screen name on uh, Bang Dream, A-Ben. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> so this guy, uh, he's not as flashy. He actually kind of has a wrestling style that's reminiscent of a late 80s kind of main eventer. Like his big move is he does a huge uh, jump top rope. He kind of does a crowd dive. Then he also drop. He's not as flashy. And he's wrestled with strong hearts when they went to Australia. The second two guys have had pretty extensive experience now in Japan. The first one is Gao Jinja, and he was in both Dragon Gate and in Russell 1. He is really spectacular. If you've seen the gif of the guy jumping from the floor clear over the top rope into the ring, that's this guy. He is really he does like he does like standing jumping on a guy's back and then doing a 450 splash. He's he he's basically a does a whole lot of flips. Yeah, but... really, really makes Ricochet look like a giant piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, Shima has found his favorite guys because these are kids who are even are more fucking older. triple Ricochet is what this guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this guy is, and he got injured, but he's back, and he's someone that's like like a lot of things, and he's someone that in these matches that they've had in Japan, you can seek out the DDT matches and the Russell One ones. They've been very protected so far. But that's something that really needs to be said is they give them like three to four minutes of wrestling and that's it. And, you know, they've had outside of Gao and Duan Yingnan, maybe 10 matches total. Like these guys don't have a lot of experience. So if you're someone like me who loves effects in sports, these guys are worth watching. So Duan Yingnan is more of a solid worker than a flashy one. He does do handsprings and flips, but that's not really his whole offense. His gimmick in China is the dashing swordsman because he's very handsome. That's another thing for Shima. He likes finding handsome people, but in title. So, yeah. So he's like right up everyone there. He's been both in Russell and in DDT after Gao was injured. And he won that DDT six-man title, Shima and T-Hawk. And he's probably the one that has the most ring experience because of his time in both Russell 1 and DDT. The next guy is I've only seen recently because he did finally did the tour of Russell one. His name is Roger. Roger. And he's a huge, he's a huge giant who for a year and you and Noki heads out there, he used to be in Simon and Noki's like combat academy in China. Like he just like a six foot eight, six foot nine Chinese guy who did combat sports that they did another truck on him in. And now he's a part of strong hearts. It's kind of crazy. I have to know where he got the name Roger. I don't know where, where do you even, being from China, where do you encounter the name Roger? Like Roger Moore? Is that the most famous Roger? No clue. No, I mean, maybe I, he might have a Hong Kongese like relation, maybe in okay. some way. Or Roger, like, Roger. like a British name? I got to dig deep on the name Roger. It's always been yeah. one of the more insane names to me. Hey, report back next week, please. Okay, yeah. will do. Yeah, and he's he's huge, and they've kind of played him off as a giant kind of character in OWE. He appeared on December uh, Russell One shows, so he's been around. 
Uh, the next guy is Scorpio X2. It's spelled out Scorpio X2, if I've heard it, as Scorpio X or Scorpio XX. He did one match in Dragon Gate and then got injured. But ever since then, he's just gotten ridiculously jacked. Like he And he is Gao Xingxia in that he does a whole lot of flips, a lot of evasions, a lot of strike things. And he was one that had like all black and wearing like X-Men like gear. I feel like that's kind of like the trait they're kind of show with him. So if you're looking for him, he was on that Dragon Gate with uh, Gao Xingxia. And the last guy, and he's my favorite guy that I'm going to talk about. And he's my personal pick on if they're going to pick one Chinese star and really get all elite behind him because he's just, he's still very green, but he has a very special look about him. And his name is Mr. Cool Tan Huakui. And if you saw the gifts from the first show, he was the one that came out with like streetwear and he has a very, a look that's very reminiscent of J-pop and K-pop, which makes sense that this is an idol kind of promotion. And he's confident both at striking exchanges and in high flying. So he kind of does both what OWE wants to have in their wrestlers, but he's like, he leads kind of like a group of kids that are very much in like Chinese streetwear and, and are considered very fashionable. And I just like the fact that his nickname is Mr. Cool. So if you're looking for my pick for who I think is going to be the big crossover star for for wrestling from OWE, to check out Mr. Cool. He's gone by Mr. Cool, Mr. T. Cool. He's had a lot of nicknames, but I think pretty much if you look for a guy called Mr. And really fashionable street where he's the guy. So having um, given it some more thought, I think probably the most famous Roger, uh, especially in terms of having crossed over to China, would be Roger Federer. Um, mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be my guess. It does seem to come from the French uh, Rogier. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, you know, I he, you said he was a giant, and I just watched the other day uh, one of the Bond films with Roger Moore and Jaws mm-hmm. in it. So that made me sort of make that connection. What about Roger Clemens? Is that a baseball player? Oh God, Nate! How do you Roger Clemens is like one of the most famous baseball players from the nineties. Okay, it's baseball's fake, so there you go. <laughs> okay, okay. How do you not know Roger Clemens? Like he was like a cultural figure. I, I said he was a baseball player at the I same time wrong. that we all grew up. I mean, I was yeah. right that he was a baseball player. You were... uh, all right. Do you know who Barry Bond is? Uh, it's a Kanye track. <laughs> Little Wayne. I saw, I saw that coming. I I just love that one over the plate, didn't I? Yes. 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 Is that a, some sort of metaphor I should be familiar with? I don't. Uh, what do you do when you lob it over the plate? I'm done. I'm get done. It? Get I'm it. Right. It's, it's good. It's good. Let's it's just good. let's ignore Nate baseball. Now. Yeah. Let's ignore <laughs> Nate now. But, All right. Yeah. So, so Nate sucks. He probably won't be on the show next week. Everybody. I mean, since when are you a big baseball fan? What is this? Yeah, I'm a baseball guy. No, you're not. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a basketball guy. I'm a baseball. Okay. Guy. Yeah, you're a high school basketball guy. Yeah, I like high school basketball. Big uh, AAU guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like grassroots basketball. That's where it's at. Uh, okay, so let's be straight here. Where else are you going to get this sort of in-depth breakdown of OWE? Nowhere. You got to check in here for that. I'm so glad that we have Mike Spears uh, to break down all that for us and get everybody up to speed on what you might see from OWE uh, as they continue working with AEW. And especially what we're going to find out here in early February uh, of, you know, more about their relationship and uh, whatever else comes out of some sort of press conference or, or another rally or whatever we're going to get. So 
I think that's everything. Anybody else have anything they want to add uh, related to this week? Nope. Um, I would again like to note that baseball is fake. Okay. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate that. Before we go again, I want to give another shout out to Nuclear Convoy for that. They helped me out a lot trying to compiling all of this. So check out Nuclear Convoy if you're trying to look for more dedicated OWE news. And I expect that a lot of uh, Everything Evolves listeners are going to wonder why we're not talking about uh, the story of Cody's comments on uh, unions and pro wrestling. Fear not, friends. Uh, We just had a lot of content for this week. So our plan is to talk unions and pro wrestling next week. Uh, We have some ideas of of ways to spice that up and make it interesting. So uh, we're going to be working on that over the next week. And uh, then we'll have something for you on the, the next episode that you hear. So I think that's it. Uh, We will see you guys again next week. Uh, For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. See you then. Bye. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.